If it's Thursday, it's Dr. P on the pod. If it's Thursday, it's Dr. P on the pod. And it's Thursday. So here is Dr. P. I hope you all are having a great, great week. Hope you're having a good, good day. I hope all the rain has finally gone and left us, even though I know somewhere it is raining right now. But I'm glad I'm just declaring that spring and some days it feels like summer is here and it is here to stay. Guess what? This weekend is Memorial Day. I don't know how we got to Memorial Day so fast, Um, but if you don't have any plans, I suggest you uh, just rest your nerve. Find a good book or find some good music, find some sun, and sit out. I'm going to open up my deck. I'm going to try to get Maurice to clean the deck, the 14-year-old, Lord Jesus. Um, And we're going to put out our hammock and tell God to send us some sun. Maybe we'll start the barbecue going uh, and just welcome summer. I'm always excited when summer comes along, but I want to slow it down because I feel like time is moving so very, very fast. After a while, it'll be November the 13th, and we'll be down at in Point Clear, Alabama for the 5th Annual Healthy Churches 2020 National Conference. The conference is shaping up to be just fantastic. Uh, if you have not submitted your abstracts, abstracts uh, due is June 1st, which is next week. You have just a few more days to get your abstracts in. So if you are thinking about uh submitting an abstract because you want to share your knowledge and expertise at a workshop for healthy churches. Abstracts are due June 1st. They will, this date will not be extended. June 1st, abstracts due. Go ahead and register now to get your space. If you all remember, we ran out of space. The conference was sold out. So I want to encourage you to go and get your room, book your room now, uh, and get your registration all taken care of. We're going to have quite a time, quite a time, at the 5th Annual Healthy Churches 2020 National Conference, November 13th through the 16th, uh, down there in Alabama. We are excited. But before we get there, in June, June 10th, the second Sunday in June, it's Memory Sunday. Memory Sunday. Please, please take a minute. Pastors, uh, first ladies, missionaries, deacons, please take a minute. Get your pastor to take a minute on the second Sunday of June just to say something about Alzheimer's, dementia. You know, uh, this is a disease that is just raging in our community. I'm sure every one of you listening knows someone who is uh, living with Alzheimer's. uh, And as you know, that Alzheimer's is a form of dementia. It's not dementia and Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is a form of uh, dementia. So you can go to uh, bombandgilead.org.org 
and download the Book of All Timers for African American congregations. This is a tremendous resource guide. You know, we're in partnership with the Sanders Brown program out there at the University of Kentucky. Um, and they just do a fantastic job. I want to send a shout out to Marquita, our sister at the University of Kentucky Sanders Brown Center. Um, you know, you wouldn't believe all the African American churches out there in Kentucky. And we have what, probably one of our largest coalition of churches in the state of Kentucky. Uh, and they are on fire for um, really educating African Americans about Alzheimer's. So we definitely want to encourage them and encourage all of our uh, congregants to please support, get involved, take a minute, the second Sunday of June, to talk about what Alzheimer's is doing within the African American community, provide statistics, get some, the caregiving. Caregiving, there's so many resources around caregiving, and we're not taking advantage of it because we don't know. So go to our site, download the Book of Alzheimer's for African American Congregations and Memory Sunday Toolkit. This toolkit provides you with so much good information, not just about the disease, but also ideas on how you can, things you can use, tools you can use to educate your congregation. So, don't forget, June 10th, second Sunday in June, it's Memory Sunday. Next week, we're going to have our sister, Dr. Paula Doreen, from Detroit. Uh, she is with the Universal Dementia Caregivers, uh, talking with us uh, next, thurs next Thursday. Um, because June is Brain Health Awareness Month. Uh, so, we are excited to have Sister Dr. Paula Doreen with us next week. So guess what? It's Thursday. It is Thursday and Thursday is coming to you live and we are excited. It's Dr. P on the pod. Today we're going to be talking about mental health in the black church with our sister, Dr. Millicent Freeman. She's up there in New York City. Yep. It's Thursday and it's Dr. P on the pod. I'm Alan Mark Jr., the senior pastor at Cumberland Image Church in Aiken, South Carolina. One out of three American adults has prediabetes, and most of them do not know it. The Southeast Diabetes Faith Initiative, presented by the Balm in Gilead, is designed to incorporate in our communities a wellness program for those who may be suffering from obesity and or prediabetes. Come and join us and see what we're all about. We have our lifestyle coaches in place, and our community and our congregation are excited that Aiken has been selected to be one of the partners in this initiative. So kindly look us up on the web or come by 111 Kershaw Avenue in Aiken, South Carolina. Come join the fight against diabetes. Register for this free program today. Call 979 229 1354 or visit balmingilead.org. Yay, yay, we are talking about mental health in the black church today. I am so excited to have Dr. Millicent Freeman, 
who is Director of Outreach and Training at the New York City Department of Health and Mental Services in New York City. She's also a mental health first aid trainer of trainers, and she's an adjunct professor at uh, Cooney's Borough of Manhattan Community College. Most important, I have been knowing Dr. Freeman for many, 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 many years. We go way back. And I was so excited to see Millicent a couple of weeks ago when I was in New York uh, being at the Iris House. I think we spoke about that last week when I got an award from Iris House and there were all of my friends there that I hadn't seen in years. And Millicent Freeman was one of them. So Dr. Millicent Freeman from way back, welcome to Dr. P on the pod. Well, I'm excited. Thank you for having me, Dr. P. Yes, it's been so long. And, you know, you have been in this space of mental health for so, 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 so very long. And, you know, I'm always uh, thrilled uh, to hear about Bethel Gospel Assembly and that great church in Harlem. And they've had a mental health program there at their church for a long time. And you've been a member there for a long time. So as we talk about uh, mental health in the black church, at some point I want us to come back and uh, talk about uh, Bethel Gospel Assembly's program. But to start out, you know, let's just talk about, Millicent, you know, you've been in this space for a long time. What are some of the, uh, the, the, the basic fundamentals that you would want to share with our audience today about mental health in the black community? Because the black church is a strong component of the black community. Tell us about it. I think the first thing that I want to say is that the black church has been doing counseling and mental health counseling since its inception. And we just didn't label it as mental health counseling. There was still all the stigmas attached. We call it, let's see, bereavement counseling. We called it um, free marriage counseling. We called it, see, after the marriage goes bad, when you put two people together from different cultures and you marry them and they say, I do, and they, they realize, mm-mm, no, I don't. <laughs> and therefore, you have joined together stress. Now you do the post-marriage counseling. And so we've been doing it. And, and when people are hurting, those that have been traumatized by the issues of life, the church is nothing more than a hospital in a brick-and-mortar building. It is, if you think about it. And so mental health now it has finally come out we destigmatized it we raised the level of awareness because it's the leading especially when we look at depression how many of us are sitting in the church amen it's all covered under the blood how you doing i'm blessed highly favored and inside we're hurting and depressed and depression is one of the leading causes of a disability worldwide not just in the black church worldwide but it's still not talked about um and when we look at how costly it can become because unaddressed it can turn into more serious mental health issues and even lead to suicide or homicide or both 
or physical illnesses. We see hypertension, we see diabetes, and oh, if you're under all that stress all the time, and you're so sad and you cannot articulate it to anyone because people are telling you, let's just pray about it, cover it up, and move on. Or tell you, you gotta be strong. Yeah, you gotta be strong and hold on. And and yeah, they'll tell you, okay, let this mind be in you that's also in Christ Jesus. He had a sound mind, but he also had a good support backup. There were 12 of them that we know of and a family structure. So, so Millicent, tell me, tell me, you know, for as uh, someone who has been very much involved in a uh, a faith-based mental health program at a church, what are some some of the basics of how we get started? Uh, You know, what what the. What makes a, a, a counseling program within a church uh, work? Um, you first have to have someone dedicated um, to the job full-time. It is a job. So while you might have that clergy that's a part-time working at another job that has uh, maybe a counseling background or at least administrative background, you need to have them on site. Um, someone needs to run the program. Then you need to get um, a rotation of social workers, um, uh, substance abuse workers, those that have a mind, a Christ, and a heart for serving, and they're able to just keep things quiet because it has, you have to maintain confidentiality. You cannot discuss what's discussed in a private counseling session. Be it counseling or secular, you can't. Um, then you need to have um, an administrative person who will receive people when they come in. You need to set some hours of your hours of operation. And what's critically important is that you must have linkage agreements with the counseling services outside of the church. Because the counseling services within the church, unless it's like a full-time, a full-time institution and business, people are going to need you 24-7. And so there needs to be a referral network that's very strong. Um, you need to be able to document what is what is done, the type of services that are offered. Uh, you need to make sure that the licenses are up to date. Uh, I can keep going on. <laughs> yes, I, I could. I can just, you know, I can just. Um, Imagine, um, you know, of all the, the 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 components that go into a uh, a counseling center and at at a, at a church. And another question would be, you know, um, how do how do we get more black people accepting of actually talking about mental health? You know, because we can have services available inside and outside the church, but we really have to tear down the stigma. Uh, and we can talk about my book, but, you know, let's talk to you about mental health specifically. You know, uh, how do we get black people in the, in, in the black community to be more accepting of mental health and to go to the doctor, uh, you know, to see about our mental health conditions as we do about going to see about our diabetes and our arthritis? You know what? If we have um, both mental health first aid training 
So one, you want to raise the level of awareness about how common the issues are, and you begin to break down some of the stigma by getting people to talk about some of the stereotypes. And the stereotypes have supported the stigma for years. It's, it's a stereotypes, they're really powerful. And what they can do, they can make or break a person and they keep coming back up. So you want to have a mental health first aid training, a really intensive one, where people begin to unpack what they have heard over the years in the household, in the neighborhoods, in the schools they went to about mental illness. What does it look like? How is it defined? How do you know that that person has a mental illness? How do you know? How do you give first aid? So we know that first aid doesn't make you a doctor, doesn't make you a nurse. What does it do? It allows you to help someone until the experts are on site or that you can get them there. That's it. Then the next thing that the church needs to do is to begin to talk about it from the pulpit. Remember early on in the days of AIDS? I remember in the 80s, Dr. P, remember? Yes, I remember. had to get them. They wouldn't even say the word. You had undertakers that didn't want to touch the bodies. Right? That's so, right. But, but as we constantly went in and we constantly got them to talk about it from the pulpit and give them the expertise and the language. We had to give, we had to provide those ministers with the language. They weren't there in the schools with us. So we provided everything for them, like a toolkit, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And it was a guide and it helped. And then I would go in behind the scenes and go, let's practice it here in your office. Get the deacons in here, get the associate pastors. And we would close the door and I would give them canned presentations. Right. That equipped it with, with the knowledge and they could put their Holy Ghost spin on it. However it came out, you know, right. I just gave you the content. We have to do the same with mental illness. Yes. <laughs> let, let me ask you, you know, you are a mental, you are a mental health first aid trainer for trainers. What is a yes. mental health first aid trainer? Um, it is someone who does exactly what I described to you. We are uh, certified by the city. Um, There's a national coalition going along now to get more people to, to learn mental health first aid. So it's basically training people to train, giving you the skill set. And we even do this with social workers, with nurses, with firemen. There's a whole movement now to get all of the clergy. Here in New York, our Mayor de Blasio wanted 250,000 New Yorkers trained on mental health first aid so that we could see it, recognize it, get someone to help, or let the person know that hope is available and they can recover. Because sadly, we're seeing an increase in homicide and shootings and, and, and suicides, and they're very young. Yes, that, yes. They, yeah, they're, they're getting younger. Yes. And so that means that we need to cast a wide net so everyone knows what to look for, the signs, not the symptoms, because the symptoms are something that person feels. And many times someone with mental illness, even mild 
can't describe to you everything they feel. And sometimes they can. Sometimes they'll say, oh, my show, I know I get stressed out. My head and my shoulders and my back start hurting. I could tell you all the time, but never once would you think of linking it back to, have you thought about resting? Do you go to talk to someone? You see what I mean? Yes. So it's not until we give you the skill set, and we it's rather long, the training for just to train someone is eight hours. We can cut it down. Um, I have provided these trainings in churches where I spread it out over like three periods because, you know, we don't want to stand, <clears throat> we don't want to stay in there for like eight hours. For it can't be didactic either. It has to be participatory. So we're engaging you to find out what you know. It's alive and it's moving. Mm. Like a gospel. Like a gospel. Think about it. It's alive and it's moving. And therefore, you got to get the knowledge and see how can I then interpret it to someone else. That's what mental health first aid training is. We've given you the knowledge. Now, how do you? We train you, and then you practice it back. We give you a safe space, practicing it back so that we can guide you through how do you articulate this or take sections that you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Because if you try to teach what you're not comfortable with, you do a lot of damage. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. It's better, it's better to leave it alone and let someone else do it. Well, you know, we are so excited, family. We've been talking to Dr. Millicent Freeman, uh, who is up there in New York City, and she is all about mental health. And we just thank our sister for all of the great work she's been doing for many, 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 many years. Dr. Freeman is the Director of Outreach and Training at the New York City Department of Health and Mental Health Bureau of STI Control. And she's a mental health first aid trainer for trainers. And uh, Dr. Freeman, I'm going to be talking to you offline a little bit more uh, about that because I am excited and want to hear more about that. Thank you so much for being Thank with us today. And we really appreciate, yes, absolutely. And we want to have you back uh, when we, because we, this is a conversation that we have to continue to have. Like you said, we have to talk about it and talk about it and talk about it some more. So thank you so very, very much. Listen, y'all, if it's Thursday, it's Dr. P on the pod. This episode has been brought to you by Memory Sunday, an initiative of the National Brain Health Center for African Americans. Memory Sunday, happening on Sunday, June 10th, brings national attention to the tremendous burden of Alzheimer's on the African American community. Register your church today at www.balmingilead.org. I hope you have enjoyed the podcast today. Uh, we want to thank Dr. Millicent Freeman for all of the great information that she shared with us today. You know, mental health, um, it touches all of us. It touches all of our families. And I cannot talk enough about so many of my family members over the years. If I mentioned, you know, have you thought about going into therapy? And their response is, I don't need therapy. I just need Jesus. And so often, you know, we use Jesus as an excuse. We use the blood of Jesus as an excuse for going to the doctor and taking care 
of ourselves. Uh, our Father, Mother God, provided uh, everything that we need on this planet through this experience to get us through, through our life experience. And it is shameful how we make our Father, Mother God, and our Jesus, our Savior, an excuse for not taking advantage of all of the goodness and blessings that they have provided for us to make it through this journey successful. Sometimes, you know, in our community and in my family, we have, you know, we have gotten mental illness uh, confused with demons, you know. It's, oh, let's get rid of them demons. He'd be all right, you know. Um, mental health is a very tricky disease, and if we don't want to address it, then we find other reasons for it, and we always somehow go to uh, the blood, and we make the blood an excuse. Uh, Jesus died on the cross for um, our salvation, for our sins, and through that dying process, everything is provided for us. And we thank God for the doctors and for the therapists and the psychologists and the psychiatry and the treatment that is available for us. But just like salvation, it, it can be available, but if we don't reach out and grab it, if we don't reach out and grab it, it is all for naught because it will be there and we will not experience the fulfillment of the blessing if we don't reach out and grab it. So I want to encourage you today, you know, for we all in one way or the others are suffering from mental illness. You know, we live in a post-slavery system uh, and we all have our, our, our traumatized post-traumatic syndrome as our sister book talks about it. So, you know, let's, let's take care of ourselves mentally. Let's take care of our children who you know are suffering with ADHD issues or bipolar issues and so many things that we just overlook, take for granted, or just don't want to deal with. We're talking about healing, healing the mind, healing the body, healing the soul, and we cannot just do it by hijacking Jesus. Uh, let's take the power of God and the power of Jesus' blood and pour it on us so that we will have the courage and the strength to address these life-threatening diseases so we can live on earth fulfilled in Jesus' name. Guess what? It's Thursday. It's Dr. P on the pod. We'll see you next week. Well, we'll be talking about dementia and caregiving with our sister, Dr. Paula Doreen. Yeah. Have a good weekend. Happy Memorial Day. Don't forget to go to church on Sunday. If it's Thursday, it's Dr. P on the pod.